Hey y'all, welcome to An Epiphany with Tiffany. My name is Tiffany and this is my podcast. Um, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, just in the sense that I'm going to be reading a few different devotions and stuff that I've been kind of going through during my time in the Word because I feel like it's uh, not only pertinent to what I'm currently going through, it might be helpful to others. So that's what's going to happen today. <laughs> um, if you've listened to my most recent episode, it was all about um, contentment and, you know, what I kind of feel like that that's, that idea is about, right? And then the episode before that was about um, being envious and I'm going to be completely honest and blunt today. Not that I haven't been already. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've just been dealing with envy so much lately. And you know what? I just, I'm taking into consideration that when you confess something out loud, um, you know, you can really find healing in, in that. So that is part of what I'm going to do today. <clears throat> so my voice still isn't like fully back to normal. It's way better than it was. <laughs> um, but it's been really windy the last few days. So my allergies have kind of kicked in. Uh, so sorry again, I'm probably gonna be clearing my throat and taking like pauses to get some water and all that. But you know, this is real life. Real life Tiffany. <laughs> so, taking a drink right now for one second. <clears throat> Alright, so, if you, again, listen to my last episode, I talked about my homegirl Kelly. And we are doing, we are kind of going through the Chosen um, devotional. If you've watched the Chosen I've only watched season one. I haven't watched all of season two yet. But if you've watched it, um, let me know how you feel about it. I freaking love it. Uh, I might go on a rant about it, especially since I'm going to read some of the devotions from this book. Um, but anyway, I really love it. I think it's awesome rendition of, you know, the Gospels. And anyway, so Kelly and I have been going through this book together and... Um, yeah, there were a couple of devotionals that kind of lined up with this other devotional book that I'm reading by Lisa. Um, let me look up her last name. Sorry, Lisa Turkerst. Turkerst. Um, she is the, I believe, director of um, Proverbs 31 Ministries. So. Uh, this devotion, this devotional book is specific for women, but I still think that there is a lot <clears throat> of really good information that, you know, uh, my brothers in the Lord can use as well. So that devotion is called Embraced. Uh, the devotional book is called Embraced. Um, but anyway, as I was going through the chosen one, because I start with that one before reading the other, I, you know, was reading through and then I would go to the, <laughs> go to the embraced one. And for the last two or three days, they've lined up perfectly. And so I'm like, okay, oh, okay, God, <laughs> like, 
I see you. You know, it's just kind of those moments where you can tell that God is really trying to get you to see something and really trying to speak to you through, you know, what somebody else has struggled with or, um, you know, through the Bible itself. Because I'm also going back through and start, I started in Genesis and I'm reading through the Bible as well. And um, so even that kind of has lined up too with what has been, what I've been reading with these other devotions. And so I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I see you, God. I get it. Cool. I'm just going to keep going down this path because obviously, you know, he's, he's definitely teaching me some things. So, and the first um, one that I want to read is day 13 of the chosen book and it's titled authority. <clears throat> so I'm not gonna, I'm not really going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of skim through this one specifically. Um, but I'll start with the beginning. So in Jesus day, authority was limited to a select few The Jesus had Jesus, bleh, my bad. <laughs> the Jews had a religious system that not only governed their places of worship, it also determined the laws of the land politically, culturally, and socially. So if that doesn't represent, especially what we got going on right now, like, yeah, I mean, we definitely have all that going on too. <clears throat> so religious leaders had authority to tell everyone else how to live because they were the ruling class of Israel. Uh, sorry, I'm just thinking about like what we got going on in America. Well, actually, I mean, in the world in general, um, right now, and I'm not going to get political, but you know, it's just, just funny. So as high priest tasks, as high priest tasked with interpreting the law of Moses, they also determined what constituted crime and often carried out punishments, sometimes in the middle of the street. So, you know, this whole part is like setting up, it is explaining the backstory of what happens um, when Jesus goes down to Capernaum. Why is that word so hard right now? Capernaum. That's not right. Okay. Y'all should know what I'm talking about, though. It's in Luke 4. A city of Galilee. He was teaching them on a Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his words possessed authority. So that's Luke 4, 31 and 32. <clears throat> so anyway, like the whole point of this devotion was talking about how Jesus was stepping out of the rigged system. Um, and he was basically like setting up the fact that you know he was going to be saying I am right like he is he is a way he is the truth and he is the life right so this whole like groundwork of him going down into Galilee um, and teaching on the Sabbath was just one of his ways of catching the attention of um you know, basically the people that he grew up around, right? Because he was the son of a carpenter, you know, and he knew most of these people. 
So the devotion kind of goes on to talk about um, when the Senate was setting, all those with various diseases were brought to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them, which is Luke 440. So no doubt healing, the healing thing drew crowds of people to Jesus. But the Bible repeatedly says they were in, they were also in awe of the authoritative way he spoke and that people came from far and wide to hear him. So, you know, this kind of goes on to talk about, too, how all these different things were happening. And then, like, the, the religious people of the time were getting jealous and envious and also, like, you know, trying to basically say that he was being um, blasphemous, right? Because he was doing all of these things and there's no way that he can do these things. But also... Um, the religious rulers were terrified of losing their power and only someone with authority greater than their own could threaten it. Luke 20, 1 through 2 records one such confrontation. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priest and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority do you, these, do, you do these things? Or who is it that gives you this authority? <clears throat> so, you know, this again, like, kind of is setting up the the part uh, where Jesus is going to say, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Right? So the claim that made both the... Uh, the, the claim that made both the way Jesus spoke and the reaction he received make sense. I am was the name God gave himself when he sent Moses to free the Israelites from Egypt in Exodus 3. And the way he continually referred to himself in the book of Isaiah. And his listeners were well versed in the scriptures that he referenced. Simply put, Jesus spoke by his own authority. So it just kind of like was hitting me when I was reading through this um and how, as Christians, like, we have that authority. We have the authority to speak um, and to live out a life that is, um, that is bringing glory to God. You know, we have that authority within us. We have the Holy Spirit. And it is by that authority that we can live through faith. We can bring people to Christ. We can, you know, do all of these other things in the name of God and allow, you know, the glory to go back to him. <clears throat> so in the other devotion, um, the title of it was feel if you're feeling overlooked and underappreciated. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> Oh boy, this is going to be a big one. Like when I read that title, I'm like, okay. <laughs> just because I tend to feel that way a lot. Um, and so anyway, I'm just, I am going to read through this one specifically because it is so good. And again, I feel like it not only is for my sisters in the Lord, but also could be for my brothers. So if you're feeling overlooked and underappreciated, Sometimes I wake up in the morning feeling a little grumpy. 
Time to do it all again. I'll buy food that gets eaten. I'll wash clothes that get dirty. I'll sleep floors that will somehow need to be swept again before the day is even done. Is there more to all of this than just doing the tasks of everyday life? One day before I jumped into the normal routine, I sat with Jesus, and I found some big truths as I read my Bible and took a little glance into David's life. Despite how others saw him, his own tendency and his own tendency to sin and the lack of position in his own family, David had the sweet reassurance of God, and that was enough. Overlooked by everyone else, handpicked by God. To his older brothers, David was young, possibly even a pest. To his father Jesse, he was just another son. To onlookers, he was a mere shepherd boy, but to God, David was the one destined to be king of Israel, and not only just any king. He was from the bloodline from which Jesus would come. Overlooked by everyone else, but handpicked by God. Even the way David was anointed to be the future king was a telling story. In 1 Samuel 16, God reveals to Samuel that he has rejected Saul as king and chosen one of Jesse's sons to be the replacement. Think of the list of qualifications that must have run through Samuel's mind for such a position. Tall, smart, articulate, brave, groomed, well-mannered, and a natural-born leader. Samuel saw some of these characteristics in Elab, David's brother. I don't know if I pronounced that right. <laughs> the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his outward appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look on the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord God looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 <clears throat> Samuel had Jesse line up all of his sons before him. All of them were to be considered. Yet, Jesse didn't call David in from tending the sheep. Was this an oversight? An assumption? Maybe a judgment call? A deliberate choice? Overlooked by everybody else, but handpicked by God. Samuel passes on each of Jesse's sons and then asks, Are these all the sons you have? I imagine Jesse with a quizzical expression, replying, There is still the youngest. He is out tending the sheep. 1 Samuel 16, 11. Surely one who spends his time taking care of animals is not the one to take care of a nation, overlooked by everybody else, but handpicked by God. <clears throat> as soon as Samuel saw David, he knew he'd found the one. David was anointed to become king, but he was not immediately ushered into the throne. It was to be many years before David was recognized by the world. So where did he go after being anointed as king? To a refining school? A government academy? Military training? Nope. He went back out into the fields and continued to shepherd his flock. A king to be doing lowly tasks. A future king whose character was refined in the fields of everyday life to prepare him for his calling. How like us, in the midst of smelling, smelly laundry, dirty dishes, snotty noses, Misplaced keys, overdue library books, bills, and that birthday gift that still needs to be mailed. There is training. There is character building. There is attitude shaping. There is soul defining. All which must take place for us to become what God intends. Do you ever feel overlooked by the world? Take heart. We were handpicked by God. We aren't doing 
we aren't we aren't just doing tasks we are building a legacy we are shaping god's kingdom we are in the process of not only discovering our calling but that of our family as well and i do not know about you but it sure does make me look at everyday tasks yes even the smelly laundry in a whole different light and so there's a prayer that's at the end too and it says dear lord I'm grateful that even when I feel overlooked, I can rest in the fact that I'm handpicked by you. Help me live out my life for an audience of one. In Jesus' name, amen. So I thought that this was, you know, kind of awesome how this devotion lined up with the one talking about authority and how, you know, Christ had that authority. And so I just kind of wanted to read through those too and just kind of you know talk about that a little bit the authority that we have in christ like sometimes we overlook just like we overlook the everyday tasks right like we overlook the process of you know glorifying god in everything that we do and you know i struggle with this a lot (laughs) You know, I'll look at having to do the dishes or having to clean the bathroom or clean my room and do my laundry or even get gas in my car. Like, I need to do that right now, and I just have been avoiding it. But, you know, like, how how in those moments can I be looking for something to glorify God, right? Like, I have been so focused on the things that I don't have or the things that I need to do you know, just to make it through everyday life, that I'm missing the point of this life. I'm missing what it is that I can do to bring more people to the kingdom. Now, obviously, I am, you know, doing this podcast and trying to share what I've been going through and in the hopes that it'll encourage somebody else. So in that way, you know, I'm still doing something for the kingdom, but again, there's so many different places in my life that I'm not doing things for the kingdom. And so I've just been kind of, you know, trying to work on that. So (laughs) this next one, I'm going to definitely read the whole thing um, for both. So kind of bear with me. Um, again, this is different than what I have been doing in the past, but I really just feel like this needs to be shared not only for myself and for my own conviction and, you know, my own confession of what I've been going through, but I know that I'm not alone. I know that I'm not the only one who needs to hear these things. So, all right. (sighs) I literally, okay. I'm going to just throw this out here too. So day 14 of, of the chosen one is called chosen devotion. It's called boldness. So I, again, I read this one first and then I opened up the other one and then I will tell you what that title is in a minute and you probably all will laugh. All right. So boldness. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and the door will be open to you. Luke 11, 9. Andrew was an early adopter of the ask, seek, and knock principle. As far as we know, Andrew was the first of the 12 disciples to ask Jesus for anything. It started the moment they met. 
which happened to be right after John the Baptist pointed Jesus out. Andrew was a disciple of John's, so when the guy who'd been preparing the way for the Lamb of God shouted, Behold, the Lamb of God, in John 1.29, Andrew didn't waste any time. He and another of John the Baptist's disciples took off after Jesus. <clears throat> what do you want? Jesus asked. And they answered with a question, Where are you staying? Verse 38 of Luke 11. Jesus rewarded their boldness with an invitation to spend the day with him. So they followed him to his place, where Jesus opened the door. In other words, one proverbial, proverbial knock led to one actual conversation, and they knew that they had found the Messiah. Andrew ran and told his brother Simon. And when Jesus, and when Jesus called Simon on a beach, Simon and Andrew dropped everything and ran to follow him. It was a whirlwind game changer of a day that all started with the simple question, What do you want? They wanted Jesus. When the ministry was in full spring, swing, <laughs> spring, uh, when, it, when the ministry was in full swing, a disciple asked Jesus to teach them to pray the way John the Baptist taught his disciples in Luke 11.1. 1. It's not a stretch to assume it was Andrew, the former John the Baptist follower who wasn't shy about asking Jesus for stuff. Jesus felt or Jesus again obliged and taught them the Lord's Prayer. Then continued with a story about an audacious asker, a guy who knocked on a friend's door at midnight wanting three loaves of bread. The friend was in bed and the house was locked, but he gave up anyway, or but he got up anyway. Not because his friend was asking, Jesus explained, but because of the guy's crazy midnight asking boldness. Jesus punctuated the story with the famous exhortation, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Jesus and Andrew's initial exchange, exchange is a sweet and simple proof of the seek and find promise. Andrew was bold. He wanted answers. So he asked. He sought after the Messiah, and Jesus opened his door to him and gave him the bread of life. Jesus asks us, asks us the same exact question. What do you want? You never know. The answer could incite a whirlwind game changer of a day. So <laughs> I read that and I was like, okay, cool, cool. You know, and there's a prayer focus and some questions um, that go along with this devotion. And so like I was, you know, answering the questions. and I'm kind of like, yeah, what are the things that I want? You know, I'm not going to share those right this second, um, but, you know, I just kind of sat there and was reflecting, what would it be that I want? And I found myself kind of going like, well, that's too bold to pray for, you know, that's too bold to ask for, even though the whole point of this specific devotion was to be bold. So, you know, I kind of did my thing and then I moved on to the next one. And now... <laughs> The next one from um, Embraced is called, I'm scared to pray boldly. If that's not a lovely little, um, I don't want to say slap in the face, <laughs> but lovely little poke on the shoulder from God, I don't know what is. All right. 
So the verse focus for this specific devotion is the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Sometimes I'm scared to pray boldly. It's not at all that I don't believe God can do anything. I absolutely do. I'm a wild about Jesus girl who in my wild in my willingness, wild in my obedience, wild in my adventures with God. So my hesitation isn't rooted in any kind of doubt about God. It's more rooted in doubts about myself and the ability to absolutely discern the will of God. The reality is sometimes God chooses not to do things. And if his will is a no, while I am boldly praying for a yes, it makes me feel out of step with God. Okay, I'm going to read that one again because when I when I read it, I just was like, whoa, whoa. So the reality is sometimes God chooses not to do things. And if his will is no, while I'm boldly praying for a yes, it makes me feel out of step with God. Can you relate? I so desperately want to stay in the will of God that I find myself praying with clauses like, God, please heal my friend, but if it's your will to take her, I will trust you. I wonder why I don't just boldly pray, God, please heal my friend, and then stand confidently knowing my prayers were not in vain, no matter what the outcome. Praying boldly boots me out of the stale place of religious habit into authentic connection with God himself. Prayer opens my spiritual eyes to see things I, can, I can't see on my own. I'm convinced prayer matters. Prayers are powerful and effective if prayed from the position of a righteous heart, which reference back to the verse, which is James 5.16. So prayer does make a difference, a life-changing, mind-blowing, earth-rattling difference. We don't need to know how. We don't need to know when. We just need to kneel confidently and know that the tremors of a simple Jesus girl's prayer or Jesus guy's prayers <laughs> extend far and wide and high, far and high and far and deep. Letting that absolute truth slosh over my soul snuffs out the flickers of hesitation. It bends my stiff knees and it ignites a fresh, bold, and even wilder fire within. Not bold as in bossy and demanding, but bold as in, I love my Jesus with all my heart, so why would I offer anything less than an ignited prayer life? Jesus speaks specifically about igniting our prayer lives in Matthew 6, verses 6-8. through When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So let's ask, and ask again, and not because we can cause God to move, but so that we'll position our souls to see our sweet Jesus move in any which way he pleases. So the prayer says, Dear Lord, I am so grateful for the opportunity to bring my worries and cares to you. Thank you for providing me with exactly what I need. I trust you have my best interest in mind today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when I read that, I just, I sat there for like a minute and I was like, okay, oh, okay. 
especially after reading what, um, you know, what Andrew did, right? Andrew isn't one of the disciples, in my opinion, um, you know, that gets a lot of recognition in the, in the gospels, which is fine. It's totally cool. It's just, you know, reading that specifically in the chosen devotion, I was like, wow, you know, like you don't, you don't, a lot of the times were for me, not you, but for me, when I've read through the gospels and I'm reading about, uh, you know, the calling of the disciples and all of that, you know, Andrew isn't always one that sticks out because, you know, the, uh, some certain other disciples like his brother, <laughs> Oh, Simon, Peter, Oh, well, Simon and AKA Peter, um, you know, they have such a bigger, um, bigger things happen. And so you kind of tend to focus on them and like what's going on with their story. But for me now, I'm like, wow, like Andrew was so bold. And here's a little bit of a rant about, uh, the episodes are for chosen the, um, the show when watching that part of Andrew, uh, coming and running up to Peter and, you know, saying, I found him. I found him, right? Like, I found the Messiah. The first time watching it through, I started crying. I was like, oh, okay. Whew. You know, like, just seeing, actually physically seeing the emotion in the actor's, like, body language and eyes and just everything, right? Right? Sometimes I think that it's so good to have like different renditions of biblical stories, obviously if they're done well, you know, which I feel like this one is. Um, but anyway, it can help us relate more to those characters, like the, the Bible characters relate to these stories that some of us have heard our whole lives and, you know, we can be a little bit jaded about because we're like, oh, here we go again, reading the gospels, Right. You know, so that's one of the, one of the biggest things that I like so much about The Chosen is being able to watch the Gospels. Yes, there is, you know, creative license a little bit, but not, so far, not too much. Um, I mean, relatively. Anyway, so I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail, (laughs) Um, but being able to watch these different individuals and how they came to Christ. Like Matthew is another, uh, another huge favorite one of mine. I'm not going to go into it too much if everybody hasn't seen the show, but if you have not, please, please download the app, download the chosen app. I am not sponsored by the chosen, obviously. Um, but watch it. I just, I recommend it to everybody. Just watch it. Um, anyway, Matthew is a huge, is a huge one for me too. Um, just because it's so, it's so powerful, especially with the background, um, you know, set up with Simon and how Matthew was a tax collector and, you know, all that stuff. So anyway, um, praying boldly, right? If you also have not seen, um, War Room, I highly recommend it. So good. I cry every freaking time I watch that movie. Um, but when I read this part about, you know, going in about from Matthew chapter six, 
<clears throat> when you go and you pray in your room and you close the door, right? And that is a direct reference to ha- basically having your own war room, right? You got to pray boldly. You got to have this time separate from everybody else and all the other distractions of the world to be able to really focus and pray and let out everything you've got going on. And, um, there's another part in here too. Like when it was talking about, um, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So that's another thing that I personally get stuck up on that, like, I feel like I have to say, you know, all these specific words. And I feel like I have to be like, dear Heavenly Father, you know, thank you for blah, 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 blah. Like, right? Like, it has to be done in a specific way. Nah, homies, it doesn't. <laughs> the whole important thing that we need to remember is when we're going to God in prayer is what our heart really wants. Or, I mean, what our heart is doing. How is our heart? You know, are we coming in a selfish way? Are we coming in a way that is like, I'm going to pray right now because I'm hoping that you are going to give me the desires of my heart instead of coming to, you know, God in repentance and saying, I am, you know, I am a sinner, forgive me. And I am boldly seeking and asking for, you know, your grace in this situation or for healing in this situation, or, you know, whatever it may be that we all got going on, because we all got stuff, right? We all got these things. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to encourage everybody with that too, like, because I definitely do not pray boldly a lot of the time. (laughs) Um, Or when I kind of feel like I am praying boldly, it's more like I'm doing this because I think, you know, you're going to give me what I want. And that's not, that's not how we should come to, how we should come in prayer. So that's another thing that I got to, I've been working on. So, um, this next, (laughs) next set again was like, okay, God. (laughs) All right. So the next one is about. Simon, aka Peter, and this is actually what I um, read this morning. So, day 15 is titled The Rock. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew sixteen, eighteen through 19. His name was Simon. And what a strange and presumptuous, how do you do? To be told your name would would be Peter. I'm sorry, what? His brother Andrew was all in already. He'd been a disciple of John the Baptist, and when John identified Jesus as the Messiah, it was all the proof Andrew needed. He became one of Jesus' first disciples, and it and he was good at it. By all accounts, Andrew was steady was steady, studied, good-natured, and easy to be around. As for Simon, not so much. (laughs) 
Simon Peter was emotional. When Jesus tried to wash his feet, Peter refused to allow the master's humbling act of service. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. John 13, 8 through 9. As it is, as it is often, as it often did, the feelings pendulum swung. Simon Peter was impulsive. When soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter drew his sword and cut off the guy's ear. 18 verse 10. It was perhaps the most ineffective countermeasure possible to take on an entire temple guard by way of one man's ear. Not sure what the plan was there. Sometimes Simon Peter was afraid of stuff. After Jesus' arrest, all of Peter's ear-cutting bravado had vanished. To avoid being arrested, he denied even knowing Jesus. Not once, but three times, just as Christ had predicted he would. All of his instability begs the question, why did Jesus call him Peter? Especially considering the name means rock. The answer? Jesus makes us what we're not. Notice some correlations between pre-Jesus Peter and post-Jesus Peter. Pre-Jesus Peter was directed by emotion. Post-Jesus Peter was directed by his intense love for Christ. Pre-Jesus Peter was impulsive. Post-Jesus Peter was stable, but the culture was not. Christianity was changing everything, and leading that charge required the ability to adjust, pivot, and respond to the Holy Spirit on the fly. Pre-Jesus Peter was afraid, and post-Jesus Peter, post Peter was afraid of ever turning his back on Jesus again, therefore becoming fearless regarding everything else. And the same power that transformed the unruly fishermen is at work in all who believe. Jesus accepts us where we are, but he knows who will become by his power, and he is making us what we are not yet. So the questions for this one um, were talking about, you know, what's your primary weakness? How has God been transforming that in you, your heart and your mind? And it was also a challenge to write down a weakness um, that we hope to turn into a strength and commit to praying about it. And... <laughs> So, like I've said in the beginning and in previous episodes, I've been struggling a lot with envy and, you know, what that looks like in my life is, you know, looking at people on social media and being like, oh, look, they're married or they're getting married or, you know, they're having a baby or having another baby. And, you know, that's just been really difficult right? Like I've mentioned before too. And so I'm boldly, <laughs> boldly confessing that right now that I am definitely struggling with envy and, you know, continuing to struggle with envy, but I'm tired of having the root, that root of bitterness within me. Like I'm tired of feeling like I, to an extent, can't be happy for those that are around me and in my life. And, you know, like that's not, that's not very loving of me. It's not very, um, 
I mean, loving is a big thing. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a struggle and I'm not just, I'm not invalidating my feelings because my feeling, my feelings are valid. You know, I, it's just this season of my life has been very difficult <laughs> and, you know, but I haven't always boldly said, this is what I've got going on. These are where my feelings are at. And, you know, it's, I think that the biggest part of why I'm still struggling with it is because I haven't been open and honest about those feelings and those struggles. Yes, some people in my life know that, but it's not something that I talk about to just the general public, you know, and that's something that I feel like needs to change, not only within myself, but also within the church, um, you know, we need to be open and honest with each other because that's the only way that the devil loses his foothold in those situations. You know, that's the only way that bitterness can be uprooted and removed. You know, there's still going to be times where I'm going to look at somebody and be like, right? But by openly confessing, this to everybody who, anybody who listens to this episode, you know, it's my hope that I will, in those moments where I'm like, oh my God, look at it, there's another person, blah, 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 that I'll be able to catch that thought because I've opened up to everybody. You know, I'll be able to catch that, um, that mindset and be able to be like, uh-uh, no, no, just because they have that doesn't mean that you aren't blessed also because I am blessed to be in this season of singleness. I, you know, I can do things that my married friends can't do, right? Like I can just up and travel if I want to, when I have the money, (laughs) you know, I can, um, you know, be a little bit more selfish in certain aspects and be like, nah, I'm not gonna, not going to go to work today or I'm going to take a me day and go off and do whatever the heck I want to do. Right? Those are things that a lot of people in my life can't do. And you know, that's something that I need to remind myself that while those things might not seem like a big deal to some people, you know, there's still things that I get to do as being being a single person that you know, my married friends do not get to do. And that's just one thing. And it's a blessing. Like it's a blessing to be able to, um, you know, sit down and read a book all day long if I wanted to, if I'm not like doing anything else. If I was a mom, I wouldn't be able to do that. (laughs) You know, so just finding the silver lining and the joy in the things that I can do instead of looking at the things that I don't have. Right. So, okay. The next, um, devotion that I read this morning from, um, embraced is as followed. Follow me, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Many years ago, I was in attendance at a conference and it was a business conference but the Christian leadership made it seem more like a revival than a meeting. 
A number of the speakers challenged us to pursue God like never before. After one of the sessions, I beelined it to the bathroom where a long line had already formed. When I finally reached an open stall, I realized the woman before me had left her conference notebook behind. Not finding the other in the ba- the owner in the bathroom, I flipped open the binder to see if a name was written inside. And the first handwriting I saw was the words Ministry to Women. At the risk of being totally nosy, I kept reading. Basically, the owner of the notebook had written the word or had written this would be the year that she would finally get intentional about pursuing the ministry of women God had placed in her heart. As I read those words, I just felt Jesus' invitation, follow me, and didn't hesitate to say yes. You see, in my journey to live completely with God every day, I have learned to treasure the expectation. As we've talked about in previous devotions, I ask God to help me live in expectation of experiencing him. Therefore, I do. It's not that I go around getting involved in every situation around me, but I do ask God to make me wise and aware of which opportunities are mine. This day, I knew exactly how to follow Jesus completely in this situation. At the the risk for having this woman think I was crazy, I wrote off to the side of her notes, I might be able to help you with this. Call me if you'd like. Lisa Terhurst with Proverbs 31 Ministry. And I added my cell phone number and got the notebook to Lost and Found at the information desk. The days went by, the conference ended, and almost a week later, I'd forgotten about the whole thing. And then the name came, or then the call came. From the start of my conversation with Tracy, I could tell that God himself had arranged this divine encounter. To make a long story short, my simple note was the confirmation that God, from God for which she'd been fervently praying. Tracy and I were being, had both been blown away. Later, she sent me a note that said in part, Just within the past week after speaking with you, God has begun to open up doors like you would not believe. Well, I guess you would. Thank you for your obedience in writing that note and for being such an inspiration. My encounter with Tracy was yet another reminder that the more we follow Jesus, the more we fall in love with him, want to obey him, experience life with him, and become a beacon of light to others through him. It is also a reminder to keep on living out the command we find in our key verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Do you feel a tug in your heart to live completely with God, but you are still uncertain about pursuing it? Why not ask God to reveal himself to you in the coming days and confirm exactly what he has for you? The adventure that follows might just blow you away. Will it be inconvenient? Maybe. Will it cost you in ways that stretch you? Sometimes. Does it force you to live life with a less self-centered outlook? Yes. Does living to follow Jesus at every turn bring joy that you can't get in any other way? Absolutely. It is the very thing your soul was created to do. It is the most daily way to discover your purpose in life. So the prayer says, Dear Lord, I want to know you, experience you, follow you, and obey you. Please reveal yourself to me. Please show me how you want me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I also want to say that I um, also read this next one, and I'm going to read it to you really quickly. It's, it's just a little shorter. <clears throat> so hearing God's invitations. 
whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Isaiah 30, 21. I have to admit, I rush and miss God's invitations a lot. I walked by a woman at ch- I walked by a woman at church the other day with pale skin and a bald head. I quick I quick stirring in my heart said, "Go say hi." I brushed it off. I saw a discarded cup in the parking lot of a restaurant where I had lunch. I knew I was supposed to pick it up and throw it away, but I walked right by it. These were simple acts of obedience I missed, but not missed because I was unaware. They were missed because I was busy, caught up in the rush of endless demands. And the rush makes us rebellious. I knew what to do and blatantly ignored it. Ignoring God's leading doesn't seem like such a big deal in these cases. In the grand scheme of the world, how big is a thing that I didn't pick up that cup? After all, how can I be sure that it really was God? I think the better question would be, how can I be sure it wasn't God? As God's girls, or guys, we long for unbroken companionship with him. The cup was a little less was a little deal unless it was me breaking away from obeying his instruction. The one who obeys God's instruction for today will develop a keen awareness for his direction for tomorrow. I'm always asking for God's direction, but I will miss it if I continue consistently ignore his instruction. It is those little breaks in our companionship with God where confusion sets in about what we're really supposed to do. Ooh, that is so true. Have you ever heard that amazing verse from Isaiah that says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I love that verse. I want it to be true for me. I want my ears to hear God say, this is the way, walk in it. Okay, quick side note, I will not lie every time I read This Is The Way, I, um, <laughs> every time I read This Is The Way, I automatically think of a Mandalorian. I can't help it. Anyway, I want that with every fiber of my being. And I want, and when I humbly repent for rushing past the opportunities God has given me, he graciously gives me a do-over. I remembered the woman I had hurried by at church. I felt a stirring to track down God through a mutual friend and sent a simple email, just a small note, which I sent, for no other reason than God saying, this touches one of your assignments for today. Don't miss it. This email paved the road for me to have coffee with this woman. During that coffee, God gave me an answer to something I'd been begging him to speak to me about. I thought I was going to help her, and I was the one who was helped. Obeying God's instruction led me to being able to discern his direction. I needed that coffee meeting, and it would never have happened if I had not stopped the rush of my life and to send the email to the woman God had prompted me to connect with. This little act of obedience somehow unplugged my spiritual ears. Not that we can't hear God otherwise, but hearing him clearly? I think that might require my soul to acknowledge that all my rushing causes me to miss. Yes, if we want his direction for our decisions, the great longings of our soul must not only be the big moments of assignment, they must also be seemingly small instructions in the most ordinary of moments when God points his spirit finger saying, go there. And in doing that, we are companions of God with our eyes and ears more open, more able, and more in tune with him. Dear Lord, I confess that I walk 
right past your invitation sometimes. Please forgive me for those those times I have rushed right by. Help me to stop and follow you. I am listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, this just kind of touches, that one kind of brought me back to the, you know, the mundane tasks of everyday life, right? Looking for those divine appointments, looking for those divine meetings, divine moments where God will use either somebody or something to speak to us, to remind us that we're on the path that we should be on or to correct us and get us back to the path we're supposed to be on. You know, those, those little things, those little nudges, because sometimes like that, those devotions said, it's not always the big thing. It can be a little nudge, a little whisper, a friend coming to you and, you know, saying something about something you've been struggling with, right? Or having a conversation with a friend or family member, um, you know, and allowing them to speak truth to you because of where you're struggling. Allowing them to be like, hey, I've been there too. A slightly different situation, but this is, you know, what I'm going through also. Like, let's deal with this together. Those little things, the little moments. You know, again, life is made up of little moments. It's not always the big things. It's made up of these little decisions Um, you know, that get us to the end goal, right? What is your end goal? If you are a Christian, what is your end goal? I'm honestly asking that of people. What is your end goal? And if you're sitting there going, I don't know, you know, let me know. I'll pray for you and pray with you. Um, But that can also be a moment to check yourself. Check your heart. What what do you got going on? If you're in sin like I am with being envious or whatever other sin, because, you know, there's a lot of them, you know, and you want somebody to talk to, reach out. If you, you know, need prayer, reach out, because that is also something that I'm really, really trying to work on. Um, Really honestly praying for the people in my life and the people who are directly asking me for prayer. You know, sometimes when people say, I'll pray for you, you know, that doesn't always happen. For me, here's another confession, you know, I will pray for them in like that moment and sometimes occasionally after when I think about them, but it's not as consistent as it could be. And, you know, that's just an area that I definitely need to work on. So, um, you can help me in that by sending prayer, (laughs) prayer requests, um, You know, and if you are somebody that's struggling with that too, like I want to challenge you to pray boldly. Um, Pray boldly for the things that are on your heart. Um, Pray boldly for your friends, for your family. If you're single like me, pray for your future husband. I used to do that a lot and then I got to the point where I allowed, um, you know, the bitterness of not having that husband in my life to take over. Um, but that's something that I'm definitely going to start up again. Pray for your friends. Um, you know, again, pray for your family, pray for yourself, just do it boldly. Um, yeah, just, I, 
I hope that <laughs> me kind of going off on this little bit of a tangent and reading devotions has helped in some way or another. If it has, you can reach out to me on my socials. You can find me at an epiff with Tiff. That's A N E P I P H with Tiff. So, but yeah, follow me on my socials. Find me on Instagram, and then my link tree is there. Um, <clears throat> and you can follow me everywhere else. All right. Well, y'all have a very blessed day. And um, I do want to announce that I have a new project coming with my brother. So excited. And I also have um, a couple of guest episodes coming with um, my brother as well and a couple friends of mine. So be on the lookout for those. And yeah, again, reach out if you need anything. All right. I love you all.